morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Blessed be his holy name. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for bringing us into your house today. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to worship you today. Lord, we get to worship you every day, but this is your day. And, and Lord, there's something about the day that the saints worship you all together. Oh, Lord, I praise you and I thank you. Oh, I bless your holy name. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to, to you, Heavenly Father. You are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What are those things say? What are those things saying to us? An awful lot. They say Jesus will do all the warfare. Hallelujah. We don't have to do it because he's going to do the warfare for us. If we call upon his holy name, blessed be his holy name. Christ is the one with the strength. He will fight for me until the end. I'm so grateful for that, that he's the one that does the fighting. I can do nothing, but he can do all things. Blessed be his holy name. All I need to do is be still. All I need to do is be still. Hallelujah. What does that mean to be still? It means to guard our tongue. We all need to guard our tongue, don't we? We shouldn't question God. That's okay if we say, Jesus, what does this mean? But when you question him with your finger in the air and question him, that's where we get in trouble, kids. So you don't want to argue with God. You don't want to argue with man because you get nowhere. Right, Connie? You get nowhere. But he's saying, don't worry. I've got you covered. That's what he's saying. And so if you are in a battle today, if you have no strength, if it looks hopeless, if you have come to the edge, if you know you're at the edge, and yeah, he might be sitting beside you because he said he will take you to the edge, but if you don't have the edge, if you, don't, if you are on the edge and you don't hang on to him for him to pull you up from that, you need him. You need him heavenly. You need the heavenly father. And guess what? There is hope. He is telling us that there is hope today for you. There's hope today for me. I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. So those scriptures are promises to hold on to. And those scriptures will sum up our walk with him, won't they? If we will choose him, if we will receive him and hold on to him. So let's keep our eyes on him, kids. He can do all things. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. I really am. Because guess what? It's gotten me through my prayer time this week, knowing that I can't do it, but he can that's carried me through my prayer time this week when I've prayed over things that looked helpless and hopeless where I needed help and I knew it and God showed me where I was 
I'm like, oh God, I, I, I can't do it. Then he reminded me, yes, but I can. I needed that word this week. Did you? Hallelujah. I needed it this week. I need it today. I need it this hour. Because I didn't deliver this very well to you, and I'm sorry about that. But I've tried. Jesus knows my heart. He loves me. And I'm grateful for that. I need loved. I really do. Jesus needs to help me. Let's go ahead into prayer. Lord, I thank you, and I praise you, and I honor you. I glorify you, Lord. You're the King of Kings. Help us, Jesus, to walk hand in hand with you today and every day, Lord. We praise you and we honor you and we worship you. Oh, Lord, we're thankful, Jesus, that we have a Father to come to, that you are there for us. Oh, Lord, we praise your holy name. Oh, people, if you don't have Jesus to go to with your situations and circumstances, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to, to go to him with your situations and circumstances and take your tears to him and take your supplications to him because he is there for you. And he loves you and he will draw you out of that. Just say, Lord, I receive you and all you have for me. Cleanse me, use me, wash me, and enable me to walk hand in hand with you. Tell him you love him because he loves you. And as my husband says, guess what? He carries your picture around in his wallet. Isn't that precious? I love him. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. Exactly right. She just said to my wife, it wasn't your words, it was his words speaking. Uh, you know, doubting Thomas, uh, wouldn't it be awful to be known as not Thomas, but doubting Thomas? <laughs> I don't want to be known as doubting John. I don't. And when he said, Thomas, you believe by saying, he said, blessed are those who cannot see and yet believe. You and I are challenged every single day to believe him without seeing it. To know he's faithful without seeing it. To know he delivers and heals without seeing it. That's what he's telling us. In fact, he said, you're more blessed than Downing Thomas. You're more blessed if you believe without seeing like Thomas had to. Isn't that wonderful? We've been given a challenge. We've been given an opportunity to be blessed. By simply believing without seeing. I'm John Sandy, my wife Cynthia. This is the Paulson Gasaway. So glad to have you with us, whether you're live in the classroom or on delay. We're so thankful you're with us. Got a word for you today. We've been asking the Lord to guide us by the Holy Spirit. Um, every time I get up, I say, Lord, I got my notes. I've tried to do my homework. I try to be faithful. But what do you want? What do you want to say? What do you want me to say? What I want to start out with is something when I closed last week with our last topic and talking about being a first responder, I felt like because of time I kind of rushed the very end of it, so I want to review one part of that one more time because I made a very strong statement last week. 
if you remember right then, I made a very strong statement that it's better for Sodom and Gomorrah than America because of what we've been exposed to, what we've been allowed to see and hear. You and I, L.A. and I were talking about all the great men and women of God that we listen to. We are blessed. We don't have any excuses. America is going to be more accountable than Sodom and Gomorrah. So let me review for just a minute part of what I said last week so that you better understand what I, and then we'll move into our new topic. Matthew 10, 15. I believe I forgot to give you these guys. I'm so sorry. There's a couple of them. Matthew 10, 15 from the NIV. Truly I tell you, it will be more break, bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. What town? America. Any town that's heard the gospel, that's had an opportunity, and you reject it. Well, I never rejected Jesus. Did you ignore it? That's rejecting. Did you turn the other way? Did you do something else instead of God's will? That's rejecting. We don't have to use that strong a term, but that's what it means to turn away from, to reject. It'd be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day than that on the day of judgment than for that town or America. Any town that rejects God's word or his work. Jesus did not say might be. He said it will be. In other words, he's not giving us a scenario or a hypothesis. He's telling us a fact that it will be. It will be more tolerable for them than for America. He's telling us it will be. So he's not just giving us a hypothesis or an idea. He's telling us. This tells us that it will be, more, that it will be a reality on that day. Matthew 11, 20, 23. These I read last week. Matthew 11, 20 through 23 from the New King James Version. These scriptures tell us that uh, just how serious it is to do God's will, not our own. So let me just read to you that particular verse, Scripture, Mark 11, 20 through 23. This is to the unrepentant cities. It's pretty strong language, strong language, so listen carefully, please. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. Disconnected. Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works, listen, for if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the days of judgment than for you. For you, Capernaum, you are, you are, exalted, you are exalted to the heavens. But because you rejected, you'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, of course, it would have remained until this day. This is what I told you last week. Sodom and Gomorrah, it's saying right here, would remain to this day if they heard what you and I hear. How serious it is for us to reject the gospel, to reject his teaching. 
It'd be more tolerable for you than for Sodom and Gomorrah on the uh, tolerable, more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for you. That's pretty serious. That's telling us that we have no excuse in America because we are exposed to the gospel 24 hours a day, 24-7. So I wanted to reiterate that because it was an awful strong statement, and I want to make sure that I completely covered that so that you understood that was not my teaching or my idea. That was the gospel of Jesus telling us that if you and I do not wake up, if you, do, if you and I do not do God's will from what we're exposed to, It'll be more tolerable. It will be. The Bible says it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for America. Serious business. So let's move into our new topic. It's entitled, There's Coming a Shaking. Now, I had heard some prophetic words about September and on that I actually, I believe, had forgotten about but felt like I should get into this topic. And then I was reminded of the prophecy that during the month of September and on, we may, we may see some shaking and to be prepared. God doesn't want the church to be caught off guard. We should not be surprised by any movement of the Holy Spirit. No, He doesn't tell us everything in advance, but He gives us enough notice in Revelations and other scriptures that there's coming a shaking. He's letting you know, folks, he's letting us know through the Word of God and through teachings like this, hopefully that we get the idea and understand that there's coming a shaking. There are many ways in which we are all tested in life. When we are shaken, some designed by Satan to defeat us, some that touch our lives because we live in a fallen world. Others, the result of our own choices in life. And finally, a shaking that will be God's judgment of the world. Now, what I've done is, and I'll get into this, I have personally broken down the term shaking into four categories. And there are many ways, subcategories, that you can get out of this that I did not mention. I just mentioned four main ones. How we respond to the shaking in our lives will ultimately prepare us for God's final shaking and judgment. The shaking is coming in the book of Revelations. And there's a lot of concern and, yes, fear over what does that mean. Will we be here before or after the rapture? Many questions. But I will tell you this, that there are shakings taking place in your life and have taken place in your life that I'm sure you would immediately raise your hand and acknowledge that tells us that God is trying to get our attention. What the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. In other words, God will take anything the devil throws at you and use it for your benefit. You didn't cause it. You live in a fallen world. I mean, this is a little sidebar here. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us, as I mentioned in Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16, tells us, that he wrote our story before we were formed. Now, why does it say before we were formed? I believe because once we were formed, we were part of a fallen nation, a fallen world. But when God formed you, you were not part of that fallen nature. 
when he wrote your story ahead of time, he has prepared the way for you in that story so that when you were formed and into this fallen world, he had a way of escape already written out for you. No one has to miss heaven. No one has to miss God's world, will in this world. No one has to fail the shaking. You could raise your hand, as I mentioned, and tell me all the different things that you've experienced in your life that you might consider a shaking. How did you do? I talked to a man just yesterday that walked with God and within four days lost his mother and his wife. He said, I didn't handle it well. And he went back into the world, but now he's back. That was a shaking. Was it his fault? No. Things are going to happen to you because the, the Bible says the rain, if you go back, the rain and the sunshine fall on the just and the unjust. So you're going to be exposed to the temptations, to the trials, to the ridicule of this world if you live in it very long at all. And we all can tell a story or two of where we've been misunderstood or ridiculed because of our faith. And if you're like me, if I find myself ridiculed because of my faith and not because of my failure, that is a blessing. What a privilege to be considered worthy of standing for Christ and paying any sort of price at all. What a privilege. God will use or cause to work together any shaking in your life. He will cause or work it to your benefit. Now, there's a prerequisite. He said all things work together for good. Oh, it does? That means that God's in everything, including crashes and drunk drivers. That means he's in everything. No, that's not what it says. All things work together for to, to who? Two prerequisites. To those who love him and to those who are called by his appointment, those who do his will. Now, if you love him, if you do his will, you can now claim that scripture. Otherwise, you cannot. You're like a pinball on a machine, bouncing around. Sometimes it misses a paddle, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it goes down a hole. <laughs> Life will throw many things at you, but you have the opportunity in advance, in advance to prepare for the shakings in your life. And there's, ultimate, there's an ultimate shaking coming when it's a final shaking. We need to prepare for the final shaking. How do you prepare for a final shaking? The shakings that go on in your life now. What you experience now. In our lives, if we allow it to, be, to wake us up, or you, do you allow the shakings to get your attention? Do, do I have your attention? You've heard a teacher say that when you're talking in the back of the room, Sandy. In the church. Sandy, do I have your attention now since I said your name? <clears throat> God, every time God speaks to you, he speaks to you by name. It's very personal. Your name is not an accident. It was either given by someone that was sensitive to God or someone that wasn't. We met, being teachers, we talk about all the different names we see. If they give you a common name, they spell it different. 
People like to be original. They like to be different. I knew two boys that were named after Jello. Orangelo and Melangelo. They were named, in fact, one of them, his name, they called him Orange. Not a good choice. That's just my, my opinion. But I like it whenever you find out that there's something in your name that's godly. I find my sister, I believe it was my sister Connie that got me a mug, and it had to do with the name John. And it said, you are artistic. Well, I was a former art teacher. Your name means something. And what you do with your name means something. It doesn't mean that if you have a biblical name, that you're going to do the right thing. You choose what to do with what God gave you. You choose what God does through your name, your calling, your purpose, your divine destiny. Someone said, do you believe there's one person for you out there? <clears throat> well, let me put it this way. I do. But let me, and I have reasons to say that. <clears throat> but let me just re rephrase that for you to answer that. When someone says, do you believe there's someone special for you? Let me answer you this way. If you let God choose, let God choose your companion. That's close enough. Whether you believe there's one or not, the important thing is, do you let God choose? Do you let God have his way in your life? I have identified four types of shaking as mentioned. One, a divine shaking of judgment from God. You don't want to have to get there. God does not want to shake you because of disobedience. That's not a shaking that God relishes. His desire is that none perish. He wants all of us to make it. And he'll do what he can to get our attention, just like Paul on the Damascus Road. He got his attention. But a divine shaking is one that comes at the end of our life when we find out that, how did we do? That's what the divine shaking, the final shaking is going to tell us, how did we do? Did you obey him or not? A second one is a natural or unprovoked shaking that challenges us to choose a direction. There are shakings in your life that will put you in a place where they come naturally to you. You haven't done anything wrong to get it, but God's trying to keep you on target, and so you will have shakings in our life that will test us, to prove us, and tell us. Have you ever had God work with you in a way that showed you in the final result that where you were? Did I do well? Maybe I did better than I thought I would do, and I'm encouraged over that. Or I didn't do as well, but God always encourages me that there's a way to get back on track. Number four. Number three. A shaking that is the result of sin. Ouch. If you listen to a lot of prayer requests, you'll find out just how much of our struggles in life are the result of choices. Sin. Number four, a shaking prepared by the enemy to test our resolve. Resolve. How are you going to handle it? Well, this test, we'll, we'll find out. And the devil loves the test. But keep in mind, even when the devil tests you, he has to have a reason 
and an opening to do it. You and I will set the stage for the shakings in our life. Even if they're not provoked, our response will determine whether we are in control when we go through them. So, let's begin. Now, the first one we want to talk about, I want to talk about is God's divine judgment. But first, I want to give a little background on what it means to judge. Something that the church needs a lot of help with. Let us better understand the judgments appropriate. There's a fine line between judging others and provoke, re rebuking sin. We must be careful not to judge people outside of the Christian faith. What? I don't judge people that are not saved. You and I, as one great man of God said, we're to treat everybody like they're in victory. Now, what does that mean? doesn't mean that I condone anything. Your life is, is the judgment. What they see in your life will determine how they perceive what they're doing with their life. And there's a fine line between judging others and, and rebuking sin. We must be careful not to judge people outside of the Christian faith. We are to leave that to God. And I'll give you Scripture. He will judge the wicked. And when it comes to another believer, we still must be very careful that we always operate in love. Love will always help to keep us spiritually balanced and pour into other believers. Folks, I mentioned this last week or so. If we do not operate in love, then anything that comes out of our life is going to be damaged merchandise. And we're not going to, we're not going to see, evaluate, or understand. See, if you don't operate in love, <clears throat> you're already operating with a critical spirit. Therefore, when you meet someone that's failing, a believer, if we're not careful, we'll not encourage them along the way. There's not a time where God points his finger at you at what you're doing wrong and not offer you encouragement. When he saw the woman caught in adultery, that was wrong. But he said, I don't condemn you. Now, he wasn't saying that I condone it. What he was saying is, I love you. That's what he was saying when he said, I don't condemn you. So how did he balance it? He came right back and said, but don't do it again. See, the world thinks of love in a very perverted way. <clears throat> they think, well, I don't, the God I serve would never send anybody to hell. Well, he also went in with a cat and he also went in with a whip and drove him out of the temple. There's a proper use of angry, anger in our life. Be angry and sin not. With love, that puts a check on our motives. Because we'll approach someone that's just a mess. They're a Christian and they're just a mess. Crashed and burned all over the place. So what do we do? You know better. You know that was all. I told you. See, that's what we do. Now, we may word it differently, but that's what we do. What God wants us to do is like Tim, Tim, um, oh, what's his last name? No, the, the wonderful man of God, the, the braids. and Tim White. Is it White? Tim, Tim is it White? Todd White. Thank you so much. Todd White told a story that just broke me up. 
he was driving and came along across an accident. And the man was thrown from the car and hit his head on the curb and his brains were exposed. He was still alive, breathing. And he went to the man. The police tried to stop him. He said, don't go there. He said, I have to. So he went, he went to the man dying on the street. And the police said, it doesn't matter. He evidently was a drunk driver and he was writing him off. Have you ever written anybody off? Have you ever given up on someone when God hasn't? He went over to the man. He placed his face on his face. He said, did you know Jesus loves you? Folks, if you do not have the love of Christ in your life, put everything aside. Put all your motives, your direction, your finances. You put your career. You put everything aside until you get that one point. Until you love people as Christ loves us. We have no place straightening anybody out. We have no place correcting other people. There is no place for your carnal nature mixed with God's plan for your life. You will destroy people. You will actually escort them into hell. And I said this last week. You get someone saved through your sinful nature, you just, you just converted them to sin. You and I are called to be an example to everybody. How do we get there? How do we get to the place where we love people like Jesus wants us to love them? you got to die. Like I said last week, what, is the, what, is the, what happens every time you get on a cross? You die unless you crawl off. See, you're going to humble yourself. God does the breaking because you can't break yourself. It's like laying on a table doing surgery on yourself. You cannot do it. God alone does it. You have to submit yourself by humbling yourself and give him permission to do surgery. And it is not always fun, is it? Because God goes in and exposes everything so that we can change. So the shakings that go on in our lives, the things that take place that cause us to make decisions. Every judge, every Shaking your life will cause you to make a decision. Whether it's provoked or unprovoked, you could be totally innocent when you're attacked, but God's still wanting a response. God's still going to require a response because he's wanting to get you where he's at. As I am, so are you in this world. Be ye holy. Are you ready? Can you handle it? Be holy as I am holy. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul couldn't do that unless he was dead to self. Paul wouldn't dare tell you to follow him if he failed a lot. He couldn't because he doesn't want to lead you into a ditch. He wants you on a narrow path. See, God, does, God is not in the sickness business He's not in the sinning business. He's not in the material business. He is in the godly business, the holy business. Yeah. 
That's what I just mentioned, yes. <clears throat> okay, your, your point was that we sometimes love people into hell because it's a perverted love. See, a godly love is not about us. It's for us. A godly love prepares us for the next step of doing God's will because if we do love like Christ loved, now he can trust you with something else, and he'll take you deeper and deeper. You got to get rid of the little stuff first, folks. You got to get the little things out of the way, and that's what shaking does. Shaking, I hate to say it, shaking prepares you for the next shaking. It's not, I'm, folks, this is not a picnic. I can't give you, you know, dessert. God always serves dessert last, so don't give up. Folks, what's coming for those that are walking upright, L.A., is far beyond anything we can comprehend, what he's preparing for those who walk upright. Number one, it is the, if you love people the right way, here's some of the ways you can tell. When you, go, when, when you have to judge a situation, we don't judge the world, but we, but we are a, a friend to the other believers. And how do you know that your, your heart's right for judging anything? Number one, it is the last thing that you want to do. Oh, we can't wait to judge. We can't wait to find out what you did wrong. Now, we'll say bless your heart so we're clear. Or God bless him, did you hear? We'll find ways to justify it because believe it or not, we do know right from wrong. We're born with the knowledge. Do you know you don't have to teach a child that lying's wrong? No, they know. Watch them when they lie. Watch how they squirm. So it's the last thing you want to do. Number two, our words are wrapped up in love, which leaves all those involved desiring help, encouraged, and have hope. I had mentioned this once before. I was working in a hospital. I worked in the pharmacy, then respiratory therapy, and I was getting a chance to witness a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. A lot of wonderful stories to tell. And I asked one of my pastors one day, I can't understand, <coughs> Pastor, I'm sharing really straight with them, but they're not offended with me. They've just been so wonderful to talk to. He said, <coughs> excuse me, he said, it's hard to put that much honey on something and be offended. People may reject you, but let them reject you because they heard the truth and loved and said no. If people are going to hate you, but let them hate you because they don't want your God. Let people reject you and turn on you and tell lies about you because they don't want your truth. Not because you are carnal. We've all been there. We've all failed. Raise your hands. We've all failed, all of us, right? Our goal was to get past that. We do not have to stay there. We don't, folks, are you in the same place you were a year ago? Do you have anything that you've seen in your life in the last month that has changed for the good? It starts by knowing the Word, then choosing the Word, 
then walking in the Word, then receiving the benefits of the Word. You've got to have the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That means even your mouth, the Word coming out of your mouth. Folks, it is critical that the Word comes out your mouth. You read it, it goes into the eye hole, and then it goes to the brain, and you receive it, and it goes in the heart, and after it does that, then it, it comes out again through your, through your mouth. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Now, I'm reading from the NIV. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. I mentioned earlier, I was going to give you scripture for these things. Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, <clears throat> at first thoughts, when you read that last part, as with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I believe this is saying that the measure you give to him is the ability that he can give back to you. But it, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily the same amount. I believe God always outdoes us. I believe he always outgives us. Why else would it say 10, 100-fold, and in Leviticus, 1,000-fold? Why would it say fold? Because God always does more than you do. God always gives more than you give. God always blesses more than you bless. So the more you bless, the more he's going to pour it on, folks. He said, press down, what? Shake it together. See, there's a good shaking. There's a good shaking in the midst of the passing of those other shakings. If you and I will be faithful in the shaking, then he, we are, he is preparing us through those shakings by our response to now be used in areas that will bless us through a shaking more than we made through the shaking. He's going to outgive you every time. God does not say, well, you gave me 10, so I'm going to give you 10. No. He said, you bring your tithe in the storehouse. What's a tithe? What's tithe mean? 10%. That's what tithe means. You bring yours into the storehouse, what does he say he's going to do? Pour out a blessing you can't contain. To me, now help me here, this sounds like more than I gave. God will always outgive you. He'll always outbless you. He'll always outuse you beyond what you thought you were capable of. He'll reveal gifts in you you didn't know were there, were dormant because of the fallen nature. He will now bring to the surface. And now, he's going to bless your socks off. He's going to, he's, he's got you covered. But we have to be available, which is the greatest thing you'll ever be. Another scripture that ties into this, Luke 6, 37, 38, also from the NIV. Remember what I just read. It reiterates, do not judge. Say, do not judge. Do not judge. And you will not be judged. Same as before. Do not condemn. And you will not be condemned. I've mentioned I've worked with homosexual people in the schoolhouses. I've, I've worked with people that talk about they're, they're going to church, but their life in front of us is not good. I've seen all of that. What's my immediate response? Love. Because if I can love, listen, folks, 
little trick here that I've learned, and I know a lot of you know this, but I'll share it anyway. If you have someone you're trying to reach and they just are closed off to you, I don't want to hear it, you know what you do? You love someone they love. Watch what happens. Let's say you're talking to a mother and she's, you can't reach her at all. But she's got a son struggling, and he comes home one day and says, you know what Mr. Sandy did? He did this, this, this to help me. Oh, he did, didn't he? Hmm. So now she's going to watch. See, love is consistent. You don't love someone in Christ today, and tomorrow I just can't take it. No. You love, God's love is a consistent love. It's a total commitment to hearing his voice and doing his will, not your own. So, you keep loving that person, and after a while, that person that you couldn't reach, all of a sudden they have a word to say to you, or they start a conversation, or they smile over something you said. Folks, you've got to realize that when people, when people want to be around you, if you're living right, it's because they, they see Jesus and they like it, but they don't know it yet. So, you just keep loving them. You keep being an example for them. <clears throat> Absolutely, L.A., go right ahead. She has a mic for you, too. L.A.'s with us today and his wonderful wife, Linda. Godly man. Thank you, L.A. Go right ahead. We're sharing about offenses and yes, yes. also about things that happen that shake us. That shape us? That shake us. Shake us. Little boy, a pastor, friend of mine, he doesn't know me well, but I know him. <laughs> <laughs> he came down over the stairway one day, and his mother said, son, I want you to taste something. And she put buttermilk, gave him some buttermilk, and he said, I hated it. He said, I, I felt like I wanted to run outside take my tongue, rub it across the grass just to get rid <laughs> of the flavor. I hated it. But he said later on, he said, I come down over the stairs. And my mom had a big bowl. She put flour, put other ingredients in it. And I, I watched her all the time she was uh -huh. stirring. Yes. Then she put the buttermilk in there. But he said, all of a sudden, later... He said, she said, here, son, try this. And it was the most precious taste of biscuits he'd ever tasted. <laughs> I'm hungry and now. And all things work together for good. God's stirring things all the time. <laughs> That's so good, Ellie. He's stirring things That's all the so time. That's so good. <laughs> and and some, some things, man, we hate. And God, you know, how are we going to get through this? Yes. But God says, I'm stirring. It's going to be okay. I'm stirring. Yeah. I'm putting all things together. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to come out good. That's, that is so, Ella, you should teach this class instead of me. Um, that is so awesome because um, it is all things working together for good. But you got to give him, give him time. Be patient. Don't expect that. Let me finish reading real quick. L.A., thank you so much. This particular scripture, I'll finish with this. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over Will, all, uh, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Same as the other scripture on the measurement part. So God is telling us, 
that if you will be faithful in the shaking, then I have a, my own shaking coming, and it's good. And when he puts it all together, all the recipe L.A., when all those ingredients are put together, all of a sudden that buttermilk becomes a wonderful biscuit. I was thinking about cornbread when you <laughs> I love homemade cornbread in a skillet. Um, we were raised on that, and I didn't care for buttermilk either, but I sure love cornbread. So you know what, folks? Uh, if you're faithful in the shaking, when things don't taste good or things aren't going to seem right, if you'll be faithful in the shaking, what God will do is he will give you the recipe. He'll give you the recipe and say, try this. All this shaking, now you're ready for this. And it's wonderful, isn't it? It's so wonderful. So we'll stop right there. L.A., thank you so much. And Connie, your comment. Um, let me just close with this. I want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you, and I hope you take this serious. When you go out every day, think to yourself every day, Jesus, help me to look like you today. Help me to look like you. Because if I look like you, I'll sound like you, I'll love like you, I'll respond like you, and I'll find great treasure out there in people. Great treasure. And I'll plant a seed right when their mouth opens to take it in. I'll plant a seed. And I'll, I'll, I'll water it. Do you know what the definition of watering a seed and nurturing it and pulling the weeds? You know what, and watching it grow. You know what the definition of that part of it is? Love. Love will cause you to take time to water it because you care. Love will cause you to pull the weeds up so it won't choke it off so it can be all that it's meant to be. That's what love does. The love of Christ will cause those around you to grow to full growth. That's what love will do. So I want to challenge each of us, folks. Please don't take this lightly. My wife and I are here to grow, but we're also here for a purpose. We are here to help the church go deeper. We, as I mentioned, we need to get off milk and, uh, and get into the meat of God's Word. Read His Word. I don't care how, if you've never read his word, read a verse a day. Start somewhere. There's always a starting place. Read his word. Pray. Ask him to help you to be like him everywhere you go. I mean, there are people that are not going to like you. God wants you to love them. How are you going to do that? It has to be a supernatural love, L.A. It has to be a work of God in your heart. If you heard God change your heart on something, you know it was him. You know there's no way you could have done it yourself if God had not changed your heart. That's what I'm talking about. He wants to change our hearts so that all we have is love. Now, I'm not talking about a lazy love. I want to stop. I'm not talking about a lazy love. I'm talking about a love that's ready to be committed. We know someone right now that lost his wife, dear friends of ours. And we have him in our house every week. To, have, to give him dinner, to fellowship with him, to spend time with him every week. Why? Because we love him. Not just the physical love, not just the worldly love. We love him because we think, Jesus, what would you do right now for him? 
and then we do it. Jesus, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for the opportunity. I pray that something went out today to L.A. and my sister and myself that made a difference for someone, that changed their direction, that changed their course in life, that they chose, I'm going to choose Christ today. I'm going to choose his will, not my own today. And I speak blessings. I speak healing over everyone. These signs shall follow those that believe and laying on the hands for healing is one of them. That's part of the result of shaking is healing. Part of the result of shaking is salvation. Part of the result of shaking is going deeper. How do we, how do we respond to our shaking? Help us, Lord, to choose you every day. In the name of Jesus, we speak these words. Amen. If you would, please hit like and share on your social media and help us get this word out. And uh, join us next week because we're going to go into part two of what it means to be shaken. And we're coming into a shaken. This message is to prepare you for things that are coming. Thank you.